Voluntary Input is brought to you by Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. And Anchor can match you with great sponsors who want to advertise on your podcast. So if you've always wanted to start a podcast, make money doing it. Go to anchor.fm slash start to join a diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. That's anchor.fm slash start. It seems like on an almost daily basis, we hear talk about data and privacy, stolen data, privacy breaches, data mining, the list goes on. But what does it all mean? And are the likes of Facebook, Google, and Amazon really stealing our data? And is Apple the only good egg among them all? Finally, how can we protect our data if we don't really understand what's really going on? Never forced, never coerced. Welcome to Voluntary Input, Understanding Data and Privacy with Bill Kilgallen, recorded live August 10th, 2019. I've always been a tinkerer. It's always just been, um, it's just always been in my nature is what led me to programming in the 80s and then fooling around with gadgets throughout the, you know, throughout time. It's what made me the nerd I am today. But my tinkering pales in comparison to a good friend that I have today, former neighbor, and the nerd I want to be when I grow up, Mr. Bill Kilgallen. How are you doing today, Bill? Great. How are you? Good, good. So I wanted to reach out to you today, like I said to you in an email. I just wanted to tackle this whole conversation about data and privacy because we just keep hearing so much about it and it seems like in my opinion over the past few years there's been a lots lots and lots of misinformation and confusing information so i was just hoping today we could talk and probably try to clear you know clear the air up a little bit maybe gain some understanding myself so if you could could you tell everyone a little bit about yourself so my name is bill kilgallen um my background my undergraduate degree was electrical engineering technology at uc and i was graduating i guess that would have been like 89 um so i looked at the help wanted ads and at the time <laughs> there was like one page of electrical engineering this is back when it was like a newspaper you had to look at right. <laughs> there was one page of electrical engineering jobs and then you turn it over and there was like nine pages of of programming jobs it was all so, new so yeah, they needed and there, and there was really not much of a computer science degree at that point so, right and and like class-wise, I always did much better the programming classes than I did in the the like the circuit design and classes. So I just went on to did graduate school and then worked at General Electric Aircraft Engines doing um, data acquisition systems for the jet engines, which was just no end of fun. Um, but, <laughs> but programming those, um, so it was a lot of fun. And then just moved into software really without ever doing hardware. So it's been programming since then. Right. Awesome. And then I did that for a few years. Um, and then the more you did programming, I always just had kind of an interest in security. So there's there's not a lot of uh, available skill sets there. Mm -hmm. So when people find out you have an interest in some skill, you pretty quickly get sucked into it. Right. So right. after like maybe eight years of programming with a little bit of security, by, by like eight years into the, my career, it was like 90% programming or 90% <laughs> security with like 10% programming. Right, right. <laughs> so it became security. And then once GDPR came along and everybody tried to figure out what on earth are we going to do to try to solve these GDPR problems, then mm -hmm. it was like another slice of subset. It's like, well, which security people can actually understand privacy? And so much of GDPR is user-facing to have like a, a web application 
programming background, if you can put all those things together, you kind of need that skill set to be able to do privacy remediation for your products and privacy planning. And I remember when they first started talking about GDPR, I was one that was first very apprehensive about it. I thought, oh, great, they're about to ruin the Internet. (laughs) But then as it's evolved, I start to see some of the benefits to it. Um, But I think what we may want to start with is this term data. If we could, do you do you think you could come up with a working definition of what is data? So, so that's a great question because that's where a lot of the GDPR programs crashed and burned. So, right. so I ran a multinational GDPR remediation program. I was the hmm. architect, basically, of, of our solutions. And the biggest obstacle that a lot of companies hit and caused a lot of these products projects to fail for the first GDPR resolution, or at least become really expensive, mm-hmm. um, was this whole concept of GDPR wants to pretend there's such a thing as data. Right. And they want data flow diagrams. They say, well, they say show me your record of processing activities. They call them ROPAs. Mm-hmm. And they say, well, tell us where the data comes into the system and where, where it goes, then where it comes back out. Right. And to a legislator or to a non-technical person, it's like, well, of course you could do that. Why, why wouldn't you? Right. If you've been in the industry, you realize, well, I, I get an address from a person, and then I buy a service that helps me fix it because most of them give it to me wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I okay. have to fix the zip code and now I've got a zip plus four. And then later on, I got an update to it from someplace else and then I merged that with this other data. So it's like, at what point did this, this drop of dye in the stream at this end mm-hmm. become, it's this diffuse thing that goes through your system right. and it changes over time and it changes as, as systems come and go. So like the whole idea that you can have this clean, simple model of, I got a piece of data I have it in my system. I'm going to delete it when you want to delete it. It just doesn't work that way. And I think that's what confuses people, especially like if you look on the likes of Facebook and people always talk about my data, my data. And I ask them, well, what are you talking about? What what data? And I think you just clearly explain to people it's not as simple as that. And I think that's the problem. People want to say, well, Facebook stole my data. Well, not no, no they didn't <laughs> yeah. steal anything from you. And I tell people all the time, you know, computers are actually idiots. They only do what you tell them to do. So if Facebook has any information about you, you gave it to them. Yeah, or they bought it from someplace else. <laughs> that, that you gave it to. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and I think that that um, that helps if people could really just understand that. If um, if you could put it more in layman's terms, like if you could tell the average person, well, here's a better way that you should understand what data is. Yeah, I, w- I would say stop thinking about data and start thinking about other information. So um, there's some inf- and this is where it also gets really complicated. And, and this, I'm, I'm sorry, this whole conversation is going to be about how complicated it is. It, but it is. It's true. <laughs> so so like, like with the, the GDPR and, and now the California Consumer Privacy Act um, and the Nevada legislation, um, they're trying to define now what personal information is. Right. So they've got a list of attributes that, that say, so like my my social security number mm-hmm. is, tech, under the legislation, they'll say that's my data. But you know, it's really not my data. It's really a government. It's the government. The government's data. They, they gave you the number. Yeah, exactly. And in fact, other people have probably had your social security number, but they died. And the older, because there's not that many of them and they get reissued. Right. right? right. So the, the whole thing is like, I don't own the string of digits that is my social security number, but it is important to me and it's important information to me. So I, I would think instead of trying to think about like data as some kind of simple magic description, mm-hmm. think about like information about you and what the implications and ramifications and how sensitive that is t- to you is really the only useful metric. Right. And that's what I try to tell folks too is like, because they, you know, everyone likes to use the example where I was searching for something on Amazon 
Then I get on Facebook, and then there's these ads for it. And then people say, well, X plus Y equals Z. They stole my data. They are watching me. They're invading my privacy. privacy." And I say, no, not, not really. They're not. And I think you touched on this. People need to learn to separate what's um, private, crucial data and behavioral data. Because what they're actually tracking is what you're doing. Yes. And then they're selling that to advertisers. Yeah, exactly. And you've heard it like a thousand times already probably. But it's, it's probably the most important thing to remember is that if you are not paying for a service, you are the product. Exactly. exactly. So you went to a search engine and you didn't have to pay anything for that search engine and you did a search and they did a really good job of bringing information back to you. And if you ever look behind the scenes to see what they have to do mm-hmm. to provide that data and to provide that search capability, it is insane. The amount of time and complexity and money. Right. And they're not doing it because they're nice. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's business. That's how they make their money. And yeah. I remind people, how do you think, you know, the Google search engine is free? but Google makes millions of dollars. How do you think Facebook is free, but Mark Zuckerberg is a millionaire? Yeah, a a trillionaire, exactly. He's selling something, (laughs) and it's not your quote-unquote data. It's more or less your behavioral data. So um, I don't know if you heard of this uh, documentary on Netflix, The the Great Hack. Yeah, I saw the preview for it. I haven't watched it. Um, I encourage people to watch it, but to put political and this is always hard to get people to do put all your political assumptions and biases aside because it's obviously geared towards a um, creating a reaction yeah get them more attention so ironically exactly it's like an inflammatory p i didn't i like it i didn't watch the whole thing i just saw enough of the preview and a lot of times the preview is more about the person that made the preview than the actual show exactly so maybe it's not that bad but, but like, there there are some tidbits in there that i think people if they would watch it it would help them understand because, you know, the, the big argument was about what Cambridge Analytica did. Yeah. Well, the, they, they stole data is what the argument is. And that's not what they did. They didn't. They didn't steal it. <laughs> and Nor were they the first to do it. <laughs> no. And that's the big thing I keep trying to get people to understand. This stuff, it really isn't new. The only difference is they did it on a larger scale and a little faster. Yeah. And, and, the, and what with the, so the Cambridge Analytica thing for people who aren't familiar with it, it, it is a really interesting example. And I just go back and, and admit it. I'm like the security geek and the privacy geek and have been since 1995. Which so is I'm why I wanted to normal. talk to you on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so when that, that um, it was, uh, what was it? My, my digital life was the application that that Cambridge Analytica was passing around Facebook. Right. And I knew going into Facebook what they do and what their business model is and I don't do anything on Facebook that I wouldn't do in a crowded room face-to-face with somebody. Same here. So, so right. it, it was great for that sort of thing. Right. So when I saw that my digital life, I saw it and said, oh, I'm going to, and if you looked at, if you clicked through the information it gave before you signed up for it it said uh, we're going to retrieve your information about you and i would have been okay with that but it also said we're going to retrieve information about all your friends uh, all your facebook friends that have friended you right and and that they said that they would do that so i looked at it and said no that's not fair to do to my friends they're not choosing to right into that I'm so i just in... didn't run the application <laughs> right exactly but the problem is that most people don't understand what that happened so it was i mean it was it was legal it was disclosed but it probably was something that somebody should have looked at and said, this isn't appropriate. Well, I think that brings up a good point about personal responsibility because, you know, now the attacks are always on, you know, Elizabeth Warren wants to say, we need to sep- you know, we need to break up the big tech companies because they're doing stuff like that. But I think, you know, I always go back to 
well, what's my responsibility in it? Did I actually read what they said they yeah. were going to do? But the problem is people love to play on Facebook and they thought it was fun. Yeah. And they don't pay attention. They just jump in and start going. And, and Facebook and Google, they're they're like they're they're I call them moral flaw. <laughs> yeah. But like between the two of them, they they went from especially like where, where Google started, and their mission was to organize the world's information and do no harm. And, was and there? That, yeah, and that yeah. was awesome. Right. And then somewhere they lost sight of that, and it became grow as much as possible. And that really was their only mission. And if you, I, I was doing at work, we're doing. OKRs, which is like a, a way to manage your, your planning for what you're trying to achieve. Mm-hmm. And they gave examples from the guy that worked with Google to develop Google's OKRs. And it wasn't manage the world's information. It wasn't right. empower people. It was grow. And grow as fast as possible and grow as much as possible. And Do you that's think, where they went wrong. <laughs> well, I think every company, don't they eventually face that, though? I they mean, probably do, but like... So it was... And not to sound like Pollyanna about it, but they started with a, a vision of, of like, I won't say integrity, but of like a win-win. So like their vision for the future was something they could be successful at right. and something that would help humanity as a whole and be a really neat thing. And somewhere along the line, these, these big dot coms, they lost that and it just became, became as, become as big as possible. And part of that was probably survival because if you didn't, somebody else yeah. would have and they would have eaten your lunch. Yeah. Um, but that's what, where, where I think things went a little wrong. But again, like you say, as long as they're honest about it, which they're not. <laughs> well, Google has the problem of hiding things like settings. I mean, I've been using Google since, you know, pretty much all of their products since forever. I can't remember. I always tell people Google owns my life. If you ever wanted to find anything out about me, yeah. just, <laughs> but, um, even myself, when I would say, man, there needs to be a setting for this, and you would reach out to their support, and they would say, oh, yeah, it's right here, but it's 50,000 clicks down, yep. and supposedly they're working on turning that and, around. And but. of all, and I agree with you completely, but of all of them, Google is like one of the best behaved. So I was on my, yeah. my Samsung phone that I got because I got annoyed with Apple, <laughs> yeah. and, and, and I was looking at Bixby, and it's like, I don't want Bixby, and I don't want Bixby monitor. It's like the, the Samsung equivalent of Siri for the iPhone. Right. And and I don't want that monitoring. I don't use it. Don't want it. So I'm going to go delete it. Well, you can't delete it. It's built into it. Yeah. yeah. So you, you and you can disable parts of it, but it's harder and harder to get to it. And like, uh, so as a like somebody who designs the privacy strategy for big companies, mm-hmm. it was a great experience for me. To, and this happens all the time. But it was a great experience to again get infuriated with the <laughs> device that I bought because they made it to the where I had to to grant them rights to access everything just to get to the settings to turn it off so right. to tell them they can't have it and then when I got there the setting wasn't there to disable it so I was it's like, <laughs> you made me give up all my rights to, to, to be able to assert my rights. And when I got there, you didn't give them to me. And it was too late because they could have already collected everything. So yeah. I was mad. <laughs> and speaking of Apple, that's a, um, and speaking of Apple's whole position in this whole thing, I don't know if you've, if you've listened to Tim Cook lately. He's been on this tear about privacy. Apple will not do what Google and Facebook is doing. But in my opinion, it's pretty disingenuous because – if you buy an iPhone, anyone who buys an iPhone, what's the one of the first things they do? They put apps on it. Yeah. So the only way what Tim Cook is describing works is if you bought an iPhone and didn't do anything with it, yes. except used it as an and, iPhone. And, and I will give so Apple Apple's privacy play or their security play to me, and I'm cynical about it is more about cementing their monopoly position over control of the devices. And they've always been closed like that. Yeah. So, But they are doing some interesting things. Like on Safari now, they're actually breaking the, the HTTP standards with the way that they're handling cookies. Mm-hmm. So like the way that the, the RFCs say 
HTTP connections are supposed to work and all the rules that the browsers enforce. Right. Like Apple is prone to do. They say, well, that doesn't work for us, so we're going to do it our way. And we're yeah. big enough that you can't do anything about it. <laughs> so that's why Safari doesn't work for like 30% of the internet. I've never been able to use Safari, yeah. even before this. <laughs> so they're, they're not, like there's rules about how, how a browser can retrieve cookies and what information right. it will and won't give to third-party sites. And Apple just said, we're not going to give you that. Well, I like, I like <laughs> Firefox the way they handle it. They even have where you can uh, enable uh, DNS over HTTPS. And that oh, yeah, way, yeah, nice. yeah. And they have a lot more privacy settings. And, and they're fully disclosed. You know, it's always been yeah, Firefox's yeah, been, bragging point. You know, we, There's a really cool um, add-on for Firefox. I'm not going to forget the name now, but it's a light beam. Light so, beam, yeah. yeah. And, yeah. I, and I think it broke in the latest version, so I hope they fix it. Mm -hmm. But if you, if you add the light beam extension and then you fire it up and go to a website, right. in the background it'll show you all the other websites that that website has involved in the conversation between <laughs> you. So you, you go to, to Walmart or whatever, right. Walmart site, and you can see all the other parties that are involved in that transaction. And I would encourage people to do that because it's pretty staggering. <laughs> and again, your data, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So the, 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 it's really just their ability to track what you're doing at that moment, mm -hmm. right? But anyway, back to that um, the Cambridge Analytica thing. They they were talking to Brittany Kaiser in this documentary on Netflix, which I don't know if you knew who she yeah. is, and it's kind of unfortunate the way she's portrayed and she's actually kind of portraying herself as so. Basically, she was just the business representative the U.S. business representative for Cambridge. And honestly, she's just a salesperson. Yeah. <laughs> so she would sell people, these political parties, people who are trying to win these races. Hey, we can help you strategize, you know, um, your, the people you're trying to reach, basically, and try to influence votes. And this isn't new because we all get political mail. Right. We see the ads on TV, commercials. So it isn't new. And if anything... She was guilty of just doing a really good job. She was really good at her job. Yes. And, and the whole Cambridge Analytica, like the whole, I'm going to get information from you. And when I get information from you from Facebook, I'm also going to map out all your friends that you're connected to and then create this social map of you and everyone connected to you and get information about the people connected to you to figure out how to interact with them. That's what Cambridge Analytica did. And then target ads at you. Yeah. And well, but, but they weren't the first ones to do it. So, so the yeah. Obama administration, she worked this. for the, she worked for them <laughs> and, she, and they did a great job with it. And Zuckerberg yeah. congratulated him right. for doing it. But then when Cambridge Analytica did it, it didn't fit as well politically. So all of a sudden, and that's, now and that's the, I think that's what the problem <laughs> is, is this all has become this, um, big political talking point. Yeah, which is a shame because there's real privacy concerns and right. real privacy solutions available. But like you start down the road to talk about them and then you get upset about, you get sucked into this mm -hmm. clickbait. To, they, they create an emotional reaction to try to put you at some extreme to trigger you. And then all of a sudden you're clicking away and they're getting the hits and they're making money, but you've lost the core. Well, they want to, they want to say that um, the likes of Cambridge Analytica, they influence people to do things. As... Yes, but advertisers are, are prone to do exactly well then I, I got to thinking this morning about that um you know there's an old saying don't believe everything you read yeah you know that's been around for decades but it feels like when social media came along it seemed like for a while everyone was good at that everyone got it yeah they printed this but is it true you know don't yeah. believe everything you read but then it seems like when social media came along everyone just threw that out the door yeah. and everyone starts believing and especially if something is a meme 
people yes. automatically take it as truth. And I'm like, What's, wait, hold on a second. And, and that is an, another kind of subtle area where I probably would point a, a little bit of a finger of blame at the like Facebook. So you're right, and we have that critical thinking. But Facebook has got a lot of algorithms and a lot of ways. Ultimately, new, these news media organizations and Facebook every time you click something they make money off of that so if they right. and they have algorithms to figure out what people are going to click on mm-hmm. and if they get you mad because you're right wing and you're <laughs> mad about something if they get you mad because you're left wing and you're they mad keep about feeding you more exactly they'll feed you more and you'll click more and you'll get engaged so it, it is kind of like messing with your mind and you and i can see it and a lot of people can see it yeah but a lot that, of people can't see it <laughs> and that's and that's where i'm kind of stuck because now people want to blame like facebook and I think, well, ultimately, isn't it your fault? Because you, you believed everything that was on there. And I often, often tell people, you know, you could log off. Right. <laughs> and, and, you, and you're the, it's, uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. Now, I would, and then we'll, we can talk about this more, but I think the, the, I can't solve every privacy problem, but I think transparency yeah. is a simple thing that solves a lot of the problems. And that probably should be an area for regulation. Like you can do, if, it's a contract between you and the, the provider in this case, Facebook or whoever we pick on next, next um, there could be a contract between you two about what you disclose and how they use it and the ways that they manipulate you. But everybody right. should have to be honest about it and they should have to be honest about what they're doing. And some of the big companies aren't right now. And like you said, it's because they're making the money and the, um, the guy who made this documentary, David Carroll, he was, he's basically the guy that uh, went after Cambridge Analytica I guess in uh, GDPR, there's a clause about the right to have whatever your information is that these companies are using. So he yes. petitioned them for his information, yep. and they never gave it to him. Right. So the yeah. documentary is ends. Is he a UK subject? Are you? So there's UK and Europe. If he if he resides in those countries, he has that right. If not, he doesn't until January first of next year. And then if he resides resides in California. California oh, I did not know that. Yeah. So, See, he's a U.S. citizen. Yeah, they they weren't obligated to give it to him. <laughs> They yeah, never disclose they that. Should. And, and a lot of companies will now because they're, they're choosing to take the GDPR capabilities that they right. built and expose them to everyone. See, I didn't know that. I thought it was anyone. Nope. Only and EU, again, EU they call it the European Economic Area. And unfortunately, the documentary, because of its political slant, they never or, or disclose even, that. Yeah, or even just because they want to make it build. It's like the 60 Minutes thing. It's like yeah, it's the yeah. gotcha moment that makes it more dr- dramatic television. It's like, I get it, but I'm kind of tired of like dramatic television that leads people. <laughs> right. It's like, I wish you should either have to label something fiction or nonfiction. And if you label it nonfiction, you should just have like impanel like 10 jurors, like just random people from the street, have them watch the movie or watch the, the documentary or whatever, mm-hmm. and then ask them 10 questions about it. And if they get eight of them wrong factually wrong you can't call it nonfiction anymore because there's like all these documentaries that are they're not really documentaries they're they're mechanisms to drive you to a conclusion which is exactly the same thing they're accusing (laughs) exactly exactly (laughs) (laughs) but some of them are entertaining so So, and you know we touched on the media a little bit so what are some other things that because like i told you earlier i was a lot of times i turn on the news and they start talking about data and privacy and they'll say stuff and it I'm just cringe. Yeah. What's some of the stuff you hear that makes you? Yeah. So, so the uh, first, like I've said, like the, the polarization now mm-hmm. is like people go straight to like an emotional reaction to something. And, and I had some like public speaking training and it was really interesting. One of the things I took from it was that the way the brain is wired, 
the, the, when you get an audio signal in your ear, it goes up your nervous system and then goes into your brain and it hits the emotional center of your brain and a, you get a reaction there like, like an, an eighth of a second before it hits the rational center of your brain. All right. So every time you hear something, there's an emotional reaction to it that is already set and set in motion before you, you even have started an objective thought about it. Hmm. And I think that's one of the things that people are using and people have always used probably advertisers or dramatic yeah, people. Probably. So, so I think that maybe the, the social media algorithms have are onto that and have amplified it. So it's like we never get past the emotional reaction and get to an objective discussion about it. Yeah. So, so like you'll hear the media say things like privacy is a human right. And it's, I don't know how you can say that because if I want some, if I privacy is a human right up to the point that I interact with another human, right? But I can't tell you after we have this conversation to forget that we had this conversation. It's recorded anyway. I, said. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I can make you delete it. But like the GDPR tries to do that. They right. say I've interacted with a company. I can now demand that that company forget everything about me, except for like. 19 pages of disclaimers and loopholes. <laughs> so, it, but it's just not a rational thing. It's like, I chose right. to interact with that company. That company has a right to details of that interaction, just like I do. Mm-hmm. Now, if we want to enter, enter into a contract ahead of time to say, before I interact with you, here's the ground rules that we both agree to, then that's great. And that should, we should be doing that probably. But to say that there's some sort of governmental regulation, that's just going to put this big, highly granular, like this big, one-size-fits-all solution. It's just a, a train wreck. <laughs> Is that what we're coming to? I mean, we're going to be a society where if you walk up to someone and say, hello, now before we start talking, I need you to sign. Face-to-face, <laughs> yeah. face, we've, we've kind of worked this stuff out. <laughs> right. And, and I guess the internet really isn't that old, if you think about like it's the, not, the, yeah. the human history and how long it took us to work out how to talk to each other without <laughs> killing each other. Right. <laughs> so maybe this is, in fact, that's what I, I think deep down I believe that Right now, it's a ripe environment for mm-hmm. media to, and, and Facebook and social media, everybody to manipulate us. Right. But we're going to get smart fast, and I think we're already getting smart fast to right. see it and feel it and understand it. And then, like that whole social contract we have with each other about how we interact as just decent human beings, I think that's starting to show up in how companies interact with us too. So it's growing pains. Yeah. Just figuring it out. Yeah. yeah. And, and and I'm glad you said that because I I often think that too when people you know we freak out about it. And I try to remind them, you know, this stuff is new. You yeah. know, <laughs> Facebook has only been around, what, 15 years, yeah. which in the scheme of things, that's not really a long time. But look how fast it grew. Look how many people use it worldwide. So there's going to be mistakes and whatnot. And I, I, I don't know. My wife often tells me that I'm just my optimism is often <laughs> sickening. <Yeah. laughs> but I'm like, it's not that bad. They're, right. Right. They're learning too, yeah, you know. Facebook already is now their APIs, they've changed them so you can no longer do that get information about the friends of the people that gave you information. Well, Mark Zuckerberg, he he did a speech, I forget where he was, and he was talking about that, about, you know, what is your data? And the example he gave was if you put your birthday with your profile, let's say your birthday is March twenty eighth. April first, April Fool's Day. It's my it's my Facebook birthday. <laughs> and you don't <laughs> My birthday is not real in Facebook, by the way. Yeah, but, uh, neither is mine. But I get a lot of birthday wishes on April 1st. No one even wishes, because my birthday data is private. Only because I, I don't know. I, I've never cared for that. Hey, happy birthday. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> but his point was, if you put that in there, okay. But you have friends and family who know when your birthday is. So, for example, yeah. I don't disclose my birthday on there. So, no one ever sees it pop up. But I have... You know, my wife, friends, or whatnot, if they get on Facebook on my birthday, they'll say happy birthday. And they say happy birthday. <laughs> At that point, is it really my data? 
did my friends and family right. just you, you steal my them. data and well, use it? No, because you told them your birthday, so right. you, you disclosed it. And that was his point. You told Facebook when your birthday was. Yeah. And so how could you say it's your data? Yeah. But that, that so that goes into another part of like the transparency, I think, because like when I remember when I signed up for again, I'm like the privacy geek. So when I signed up for Facebook, they wouldn't let me sign up without giving them a birthday. Yeah, same here. And that's a problem. So that was where they went wrong. Now, to the rest of it, you're right. If you gave it to them, they told you that they're taking it, and you gave it to them. Yeah, and you gave it to them. So there was consent there, but it wasn't really – there wasn't a level of – Freedom. I well, they tried cool. to say the reason being was they they wanted adults only, which, which but was you could easily game the system. You could, but that and that, and that was a, so the no problem is so bad the little government regulation can't make it worse. Right. So the reason they were asking for that was the California the COPA and I forget the acronym, but it's the California Online Private. It's a I think Children's it, Privacy Act. Children, yeah, children's, yeah, yeah. And and so they had to start collecting this data. So now you're you're making them collect data they didn't want to collect before. And, and this is a huge problem with the California Consumer Privacy Act right now, and they're actually trying to make amendments to it right now before it goes into effect, mm-hmm. where they realize that the single biggest privacy disaster that ever may have happened would be this new California legislation, because it had a clause in there buried way deep down, where it's talking about what is your personal information that companies have to respect. Mm-hmm. And one of them, they went through a long list of stuff that is appropriate and wise. So things like sexual orientation, age, gender, religious affiliation, right. union membership. They went through a list of ones that are probably pretty good as potentially sensitive. But at the end of this list, they said, and any other information that could be related to an individual. So that's like there's no there's nothing that's on the way open ended right it's everything on the planet because I can say yeah. this coffee cup to my left is related to Jimmy Allen because yeah. he didn't make it exactly <laughs> so it's, so so like all of a sudden people were coming back and asking about the laws and saying well that means I have to do facial like a, like security video in a store is a great example so a lot most stores will have some security video they won't even look at it or care about it unless somebody's been caught shoplifting and the police come in and they want evidence, then they'll play back the video and, and find out what happened. Well, they have to get a subpoena first. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that was there. But then under the California Consumer Privacy Act, it said you have to remove information you've got about an individual. So companies were saying, okay, well, then I'm going to take that surveillance video and I'm going to run it through the new Google facial, facial recognition system. And instead of just having this raw video I can't do anything with, I'm going to have full data about who was in the store at the time, everywhere right. they went. And California was like, oh. <laughs> well, they just threw out, they said you can't use facial recognition out there anymore. Um, in in uh, Illinois, you can't. In, in yeah. California, I think you can, but you have to. I think there's certain spots. I keep hearing yeah, talk right. about no, it. Yeah. San Francisco, you're right. Yeah, yeah, because they were having problems with law enforcement. Because, yeah. unfortunately, the algorithms they're, were they're, biased. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> well, because, you know, and that's something that people need to understand. These AI models have to be taught. Yeah. Which brings me back to what I always tell people. Computers are idiots until you tell them anything. <laughs> yeah. So, the only, the models they were getting were just... Uh, middle-aged white guys. Yeah, exactly. So everyone who wasn't a middle-aged white guy was a perpetrator. Yeah, and so that, and that's not a new problem either. So this is I'm, I, I'm a hobby photographer, a pretty serious hobby photographer too. Oh yeah. And, and a, a Nikon camera, which is made by a Japanese company, <laughs> when the neutral light metering setting is set for a white male face, mm-hmm. not an Asian male face or a black male face. Right. <laughs> so it's even like it's just like. It goes back to the science of when they, like in, in the 1800s, when they were starting to develop how they calibrate these things. Right. They just used the face in front of them, and it was a white male face. So. And that's what they had. Those were the model they had to work with. Exactly. Yeah. All right. We'll take a quick break, and then we'll come back and, and finish up. Awesome. <laughs> 
Have any questions or comments about today's or any other episode? Please be sure to email them directly to voluntaryinput at gmail.com. That's voluntaryinput at gmail.com. Please also remember to visit my website at leojallenjr.com. There you can find product reviews, helpful cord cutting tips, and my personal musings, among other things. And feel free to select contact me there with any questions or comments. Also, if you're listening via the Anchor app, why not leave a voice message? Your comments may air on a future episode. Lastly, if you would like to support this show, please don't hesitate to donate any amount. Your support helps keep this show going and helps with plans for future expansion. Thank you for listening and thank you for your support. Now back to the show. All right, we're back. It's me and Mr. Bill Kilgallen. I I love that first half. It's fun. I feel like we talked about we we. It's hard to try to fit it all in, but I think I hope we're doing good so far. <laughs> so far, so good. And I hope that we help. If anything, we can help um, shed some understanding for people because I know quite a few people who just you know their their reaction is I'm just going to leave everything alone. Because as far as I can tell, everything's bad. Yeah. And I think I, w- I want people to not feel that way. Plus, even if they do that, there's going to be information about them everywhere. <laughs> That's what I, I tell people all the time. You know, before the internet, before social media, how do you think uh, companies knew what, what coupons to send you in the mail? Yeah. Your information's already there. And why on earth would someone ever have loaned you money to buy a house if they didn't have some level of information about who you are and what your history was? Right. Exactly. The only difference now is these powerful systems we have, they do it very efficiently. And it scares people. And it's scaled up so much more. Because yeah. before, it took a lot of investment to find out information about a person. Mm-hmm. So that in itself was a great protection because if I wanted to snoop on, on Jimmy, I would have had to hire a private investigator. They would have had to follow you around. I would have had right. to file some public records requests, maybe show up in front of a clerk of courts and, and drive to some county where you grew up and <laughs> exactly. drive over to Middletown and get them to give me stuff. And but it's there. It's, now it's just one click and one there One click, Yeah. <laughs> And uh, while we were taking a break, we briefly talked about some of the laws and regulations. And I often think, you know, what kind of regulation should we have in place, if any? And you were talking about... Yeah, the, the California Consumer Privacy Act. Right. So that showed up about a, a little over maybe a year and a half ago. And as, as first drafted, it was drafted pretty quickly. And a lot of people criticized it for being slapped together. But the first draft of it, I thought, was excellent. Mm-hmm. Because instead of trying to do what the GDPR did, which was demand some impossible things. Um, the California Consumer Privacy Act had a pretty focused set of rights that are actually fairly easy to achieve and that actually mm-hmm. gave co- consumers really good information to allow them to make informed choices about the privacy impacts of their actions. What kind of information do you... So the, the, as originally written, the, uh, a website who collects inter- information about a consumer, they had to disclose in their privacy policy any third parties that they share that data with, and they mm-hmm. had to disclose what kind of information they're storing about you. So if they're just storing your address, that's great. It's just your address. But if they're choosing to also collect information about your, your sexual orientation mm-hmm. and, and, and maintain that in, in a way that they can a- access it, they had to disclose that. So, I mean, it, you could say that it that's no good because it doesn't control what companies can do. Right. But it's 
when you try to control it, that opens up all sorts of other problems. And it gave consumers the ability to have genuine informed consent about what was happen happening and either choose not to participate or start a public debate about whether or not it's appropriate and put some pressure on a company to say, look, I'm, I'm just here to, to buy a movie ticket. Why are you tracking my sexual orientation? That is not right. appropriate. What does that have to do with anything? Yeah. So where did, you said it started off great. Where did yeah. the wheels fall off? Yeah, so last September some amendments were passed by people probably more on the, the privacy advocate end of the spectrum because they felt like that wasn't enough because they're mad at, and it's, people are right to be mad at Facebook. And when you take a consumer and you make them feel used and commoditized powerless, yeah, and powerless at the same time, mm -hmm. there will be a government reaction to that, no matter who you are or what you're doing. Right. <laughs> there, there will be a remediation to that problem. So that remediation was a set of amendments in September that basically said, we're jealous of the GDPR. We want those rules. <laughs> so it added specific things like now you can, a California resident as of, as of January 1st, 2020, they can demand a company forget them. So whatever information they've got, about an individual, um, the individual can demand that they forget it. The right to be forgotten. Yeah. yeah. And then the other thing, they could, they could ask, they could um, remove consent for a company to share data with a third party. <laughs> um, so they can say, yes, I've, you're collecting my information, but I, I do not allow you to share that with a third party. Um, and they can also demand a copy of any information you have stored about them. So what's so wrong with that? So there's huge problems with that. <laughs> so I touched on the one before. So like the whole video analytics thing, if, if you're a store and you're just capturing surveillance video that you just use for criminal investigations. Right. Well, according to the, the, the new reading of the CCPA legislation, you now have to, I have to give that information back to you if you request it and delete it if you request it. Well, I wasn't trying to find the actual identifiable human beings in that video right. before, but now I have to because I have to be able to delete it when you demand it and I have to tell you that I have it. So it was creating this privacy disaster of all of a sudden companies that weren't, didn't have any interest or any desire. And like we, we talked about the Facebook birthday thing too. It's like maybe they didn't want your birthday, but they had to get it because of a California regulation right. that they were going to get audited on that said you had to prove the person's older than 13. Well, right. okay, well, I got their birthday. <laughs> so there's like these side effects of all that stuff. And then with like the, the subject access request where they can demand information about them, um, that creates huge problems too because now – before, what I just had to do with the original California legislation, I just had to tell you what kind of data I have about you, and I had to be honest about it. That's great. <laughs> right. And it's not sensitive because I can tell everyone the kind of information I collect from everyone. Right. Um, now it says I have to give your specific information back to you. Well, now, how do I know who you really are? So I now, like, like let's use a hypothetical because I can't speak on behalf of my company. <laughs> right. Gotcha. But, but say I worked for a company that might have some consumer data. <laughs> in that case, in order for like an internal employee to get access to that data, you would only be able to do it if you had a company-controlled hardened laptop with, with antivirus running on it, fully updated and patched, um, a controlled version of the operating system. Um, the USB drives won't let you put data on it. Right. There, there's all these controls that I put on. I won't let you do it without a background check before I even let you walk in the front door. You can only do it from the corporate network. <laughs> oh, my goodness. You, you, all, there's yeah. all these controls. And if you don't meet those, you can't touch that data. And we've got retention requirements and all that stuff. Right. And now the CCPA is saying, okay, well, you've got to give that information to somebody on the street who says they're John Smith. Well, how am I supposed to know they're really John Smith or not? We'll tell you that six months after the legislation goes live. 
That's, that's what the California Attorney General is saying. <laughs> oh my gosh! So the the caution, I think the caution here is because everyone wants to say, well, we need to regulate and legislate. Be careful what you ask for. Yeah, and be be very like take baby steps. Yes, it's like the GDPR. If like to just do that disclosure about what we do and how we do it, a company can probably do that with half a million dollars worth of effort. It will mm-hmm. take a lot of analysis to make sure that they're being true right. and some controls to make sure that people aren't breaking that. But but half a million dollars later for a large corporation, you've probably got your answer. You've got your lawyers. They've all reviewed your privacy policy. You, you've pushed it out to all your websites, and you're good to go. Right. Um, but when you start doing things like these data subject access requests, it didn't really give you anything more than you had before because – the fact that I know your gender orientation now, right. I told you I had it, now I tell you what it is, you probably knew it already. <laughs> <laughs> so it really didn't buy you much. But like the effort required to get to that is now like a billion dollar effort. And, and companies don't just make up money, they take that money from consumers. So on a global scale, there's probably multi-billions of dollars that have just been thrown away for companies trying to comply with these rules oh that goodness. really don't give you that tangible benefit. So it makes you wonder why would Mark Zuckerberg say... I think we need regulation. Some regulation, probably, he wants a level playing field. Yeah. So he doesn't want someone to be even sketchier than Facebook is right. and then run Facebook out of business. And he knows this because he was even sketchier than other people, and that's how he ran them out of business. <laughs> True that. <laughs> so he knows the game. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> it's, wow. That's a lot. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's an interesting space. And then another problem with like the, the subject access request is, um, say that you have data at a household level instead of an individual level. Mm-hmm. Well, one person in your household wants a copy of the data. What if the other people in the household don't want it? Right. And, and, and Target had an inadvertent problem with this where a guy, there's a news article about it. I assume it's true, but you never know. But where a guy um, from, from his family went into Target to buy some things. And then Target at the end, I think, served him a coupon saying, would you like a discount on diapers? And he's like, my kid is 19 years old. Why would I get a discount on diapers? Right. And it turned out it was his kid was pregnant. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And she had been shopping for baby stuff. So now he was getting diaper ads, and he did the math, and he figured it out, and he said, do you have something you want to tell me? And she said, yeah, as a matter of fact, I do. Well, see, now that's the kind of thing, isn't that um, kind of what people say about that, it, they should my data? Yeah, exactly. They should be alarmed about that. But that wasn't like the regulation is now forcing even more of that kind of problem because now – targets it's not just a matter of will target serve up the ad and, and they fixed that pretty quickly and all right. the other retailers some of them had fixed it before then i don't <laughs> name names <laughs> but yeah, yes <laughs> but um but but target fixed it afterwards but now they it's been unfixed because target now has to what if you make if you're a consumer res, a california resident and you make a subject access request target now has to give you everything they have about you and if that includes your shopping history how do they decide who gets that shopping history when everybody's using the same credit card? <laughs> that is a slippery slope. <laughs> so, um, so what about uh, GDPR? What do you think that gets right or gets wrong, or is there anything in it that you think? Yeah, what what they were trying to do, that like their their core precepts of the kind of rights people should have, they were they were a good start, mm-hmm. um, but GDPR was a disaster because they were it was very very heavy on the like privacy advocate side like if you do the two extremes of one person that thinks privacy is absolute and is a human right and i should have total power over all of all my privacy right the other side is, would be a company that says you have no privacy rights anything we can do is allowed <laughs> so on, well, on you, those yeah. two extremes yeah the the gdpr was way on the privacy advocate side of the extreme right and that led to some really ridiculous things so like 
if you if you read the GDPR legislation strictly, it says an IP address is personal information, and you can't collect it until you have explicit opt-in consent from the consumer. But if you know how a web browser works... An IP address is not... Well, first of all, it's not. But even if it was, let's say it was, yeah. the way that a web browser works is you request a web page, right? Right. You send them your IP address. They send back... A, you send them a SIN packet. They send back an ACK packet. You send back another packet. Exactly. All of which require the IP address to be there to work. So how do you paint the screen that says, may I use your IP address, when you can't paint the screen until they give you your IP address? <laughs> and these were like real problems. And companies are like, you can't mean this. But the legislation said you did mean it. And, and the way they addressed that was with the GDPR. There's the ICO, which I think is the Information Commission Office or something. I forget what it is off the top of my head. But they were the interpreter of the law. Mm -hmm. But they didn't do any useful interpretation until the law went into effect. But companies had to be compliant on the day the law went into effect. So all these companies are spending all this time and energy that could have been devoted to like real privacy gains. Right. To just try to interpret these ridiculous statements in the law. It was, uh, yeah. And as the ICO comes out and gives guidance, it's actually decent, reasonable guidance. But it it's flatly contradicts what the law says. <laughs> so, so they did it backwards. They, they, they rushed it in. Yeah. And, uh, before any... Anybody looked at it basically. Yeah, they knew what it was, but they didn't get a chance to, to pass define it. That's which is, I guess, pretty common. But, <laughs> and, and I guess at some point somebody has to start things moving forward. So maybe you need to break some things to fix some right. things. But it sure wasn't good for consumer privacy. And it, well, it, we got those cookie banners every we time did. we every time we go anywhere now. <laughs> yes, we did. All of which are like. And, and even the people that were asking for those were saying that's a bad idea. <laughs> I mean, because <laughs> everybody just clicks through them, and it's like you can't. And that was another place where, like the and that the cookie stuff wasn't actually in the GDPR. The GDPR said you have to follow another act, and that act was the one that had that, that the cookie law. It was like prop. They were they were numbered, weren't they? It was like something fifteen, yeah, and then seven, yeah, seventeen yeah. was the one that included the cookie. Yeah. I, I'm I and I and still to this day. I cannot see the benefit of that. It's it, yeah. No it's, one reads it. And and, and the, the law, the original EU cookie legislation said that you had to give people, uh, you had to the site had to work just as well if you declined that. And Which, if you know how the web works, it can't. Right. <laughs> and the and what that resulted for people like me and what I do was a lot of phone calls about something's wrong with my computer. I think I did something because I keep getting this banner. <laughs> talking about cookies yeah, and a lot of, a lot of people apologizing to me and I had to explain to them, no, you didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's funny when I, I would go to the UK periodically with my previous job and, uh -huh. and like, you'd be using all these websites in the U S and they'd be fine. And then the second I signed on from the London IP address, Ooh. all of a sudden all my normal sites were putting these stupid banners everywhere <laughs> I went. And it was like, Oh, it was always, I think I downloaded a virus. No, you, you didn't. Yeah, you you, you didn't. just came from a site that they thought or an address they thought was in the UK. <laughs> So if, if now it kind of feels like we got a little deep and dark in yeah. our conversation. So what about, um, let's try to turn it around. What are some positive things we could tell people about, you know, like I said, I, I want to try to pe get people away from this chicken little, the sky is falling conversation yeah. about data and privacy. Like what are some practical things you could tell people? Look, if you're worried about this, this is what you should know. And here are some things you can do, some simple steps you can take. Yeah, so credit where credit's due. One of the one of the things the legislation, CCPA and GDPR are doing that is a good thing is it's making um, transparency much higher right. and consent much more explicit. 
So the GDPR says you have to default to no consent, and the user has to explicitly click the yes, I consent. Right. CCPA lets you default it to yes, which is a more rational thing. So like if you sign up for a service, the service doesn't have to put another page up that says, are you sure you are want you us sure to you have your it? data? <laughs> right. So all that is really positive, and I would encourage people to, to spend a little time trying to understand some of it. And don't feel like you have to understand all of it. But right. read some of it, try to understand what it's saying. Um, if it is not clear, maybe ask some questions to the little pop-up chat bot. Yeah, <laughs> just exactly. Let, just yeah. to like, get some more information, but also inform the companies that you care. And that, that's a good start. Yes. Um, and and it would be nice if, if consumers would make some choices about what they interact with. Get honest about it. So if you really don't care about privacy and you just want the free service, then mm-hmm. stop whining. Exactly. <laughs> but if privacy is important to you, then go someplace that gives you better privacy and pay more for it. Right. And that's the point. You're going to pay... Yeah, because yeah. these companies don't do things for free. Yeah, right. So, and, and, and all the discussions, I think, are getting better. Like, like I, I guess we touched on earlier, I think people are starting to wrap their head around the issues. And, mm-hmm. and, I, and I would encourage people not, when they, when they start looking at this and they feel stupid, don't feel like you're stupid. Exactly. I mean, I, I've been in the room with lawyers getting paid $800 an hour, and I've had to explain things to them, and I've had people explain things to me, and I've been mm-hmm. working in privacy for 20 years. Right. So it's it's just staggeringly complex, and there's um, and, there, and there's even never a right answer. So like a, a funny example I use is is what is private information? Mm-hmm. So for for me, if you want to look at my medical records, <laughs> more power to you. And if you want to see the X-ray of my cracked pelvis from the motorcycle accident, I'll show it to you. It's pretty cool. <laughs> right. <laughs> but if you go on my my Alexa playlist and find out I've got Britney Spears on there, I'm going to be mortified. <laughs> so so different things are important to different people. Like if right. my if my medical conditions were one that it could jeopardize my career and I might be discriminated against it, then oh, heck no. Or do I want you to see that? Right. So it's like there's no one right answer. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot of what we're wrestling with. So when you look at the stuff and it just feels overwhelmingly complex, that's because it's overwhelmingly complex. Because it's not that's because true. you're stupid. Exactly. <laughs> that, that makes sense to me. And, it, and it's interesting you brought up uh, medical information because, you know, a lot of people don't like the fact places like CRISPR exist yeah. or um, Ancestry.com. Yeah. And the people say, well, you're just turning over. Well, yeah, you are, but there are benefits to that yes. because you can help the medical community progress forward with treatments and an understanding of conditions. And you might find stuff that would kill you that you could stop. Right, and you would have never <laughs> known it before. But like you said, if, if that concerns you... And there was a couple of, of serial killers that were found because they had DNA evidence on file, and one of their family members. Who was the Who was the, the guy that they? Yeah, in California, former police officer. That, because that one of his family members yep. did ancestry. Yep, and, and that's that, how they, they called him. Like, oh, hey, you've got a cousin. <laughs> By <laughs> the like way, <laughs> yeah, that's so. Yeah, like, like I said, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to have this kind of discussion, this kind of episode, and I hope to continue with it with other people who are well verse like yourself because i i just don't like people feeling like we need to shrink back and run away from technology you know i love technology and i keep trying to tell people it's not that scary and it gives as much as it takes yes there's legitimate concerns about what it takes but what it gives is incredible too right and if you're willing to you know i in the email or in the, the rundown here i told you you know i like to use the google home products i know people say i would never put that or alexa or any of those things in my house i can't believe you're doing that they're spying on you blah 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 i know what they're doing yeah exactly (laughs) and the benefit i believe is is fine for me there's nothing that even like we talked about apple 
and their security. Well, I don't know if you heard as of recently, come to find out that, yeah, they do the same thing that Google does and Amazon does where they hire these third parties to listen to people talking to train these AI models. And they're somewhere overseas. Yeah, right. And, of course, Apple in their way. Oh, sorry, we won't do it again. Yeah, but even, that's another like good. Example. But that's how it works. It's another good example of the overreaction too, because like, oh my gosh, you're sending it overseas. Well, at a previous company, we had overseas support, and every company has these things, you're right? Uh, large. But if you go over there, the controls they put on those are, are pretty ridiculous. So if you go over to one of the the Indian firms and, mm-hmm. and you go into their their office. They've got like locked rooms, right? And and they're not allowed to bring anything in there. They're not allowed to bring a smart device in there when they're working on this company's things. And there's a dedicated network connection that goes straight from there. So it's like right. we're reacting to the fact that it's overseas instead of the real questions about what is the security, what is the what are the controls, and, and why are they doing it? Yeah. And the the thing, the bottom line is. These things, I always tell people, they're not magic. We have to train it to work. And it's hard. And it is hard. So, you know, if you if you ask Alexa a question and she gets it wrong, she sent, they send that to the group who listens to what you actually Try said and figure time. out why she got it wrong. Yes. And, and under the CCPA, even when you demand that that information be forgotten, I don't think they have to forget it. Well, I'm sorry. You can deny, you can refuse to share with third parties. Yeah, but they can keep that data and use it for that purposes, and they can use it for security investigations. And, and people got to understand when it's sending those, it's not sending your name and address and everything. It's sending the sentence of what you said. If they're doing it right, it is. Yeah, because then it's like privacy minimization and privacy by design, right? Or data minimization and privacy by design. Hopefully that they're doing that. And that's another thing these regulations are bringing to these companies is bringing attention and budget to. Mm-hmm these kind of privacy by designs and just bringing privacy discussions up from like a corner discussion at last minute to a, like a front and center top level business objective. Right. And, and that's good too. It's just a shame that it was done in such an expensive way, but maybe that's the only way to do it. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I, I guess the takeaway is this. We don't have to be afraid of Alexa. Nope. <laughs> we don't have to be afraid of Siri. No, no fears there. Of all the things I worry about for privacy, those two are the, at the bottom. They're of the list. toys. <laughs> yep. And there was even the big thing about the the, the kids dot, where yeah. people found out. Well, they're sending your kids speaking. If my wife was like, "Well, duh, that's what that's how they all work, right?" And I'm like, "You're absolutely right." So finally, you would say the sky isn't falling. No. No, we'll and, be and, all right. And, and privacy is getting better all the time. People are getting smarter. Companies are doing better. There's an expectation of, of privacy that's becoming a, a more of like a social contract, even online. People are asking all the right questions, and companies are doing a lot of the right things. And it's not going to be perfect, but it's certainly getting better. Mm-hmm. Um, we're reaching like a better social balance to try to wrestle with these hard issues. Awesome. Well, thank you, sir. I'm glad we got to talk about this and record this episode. My pleasure. is fun. <laughs> All right. Well, maybe we'll do another one some other time. We'll to. talk about something else. Um, my son just bought his 3D printer. It's been a big thing, and maybe you can help us print out some robot maybe, parts. Maybe. I, mean, I can't afford a 3D printer right now. It's <laughs> a hobby budget. Well, he saved his own money. He worked oh, hard for it. and So you get to play with it now. Exactly. <laughs> well, I went half season with him. Yeah, but. fair enough. All right. Well, Bill, thanks a lot. And... Uh, We'll talk to you again. Thanks, Jimmy. See you.